<laughs> Thanks, Pastor Jason. I, I, I'm very honored to be here today. Uh, thank you so much for trusting me with your kids. Uh, it's kind of scary to entrust somebody that dresses like this and looks like this. Uh, anyways, uh, I have a couple things. Uh, I love to. I, I love families. I love kids. Uh, God totally changed my heart because I totally uh, did hated kids. Uh, I, I definitely. I am not a parent. And so he totally just graced me with this desire to see families uh, whole and healthy. And he also graced me with a, a love for kids. And so I, I love that. And I want to be able to share something with you. So I've written a couple books. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I haven't written any books. Okay. All right. So I have a couple books, and I want your participation today. And uh, I want someone who is a mom or an expecting mom the first person to raise their hand can get this book. I have to read the title. Uh, it's called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Is there a mom who wants this? You want it? All right, come on, come on up. I can't give it to my sister. I just can't. There you go. Awesome. Okay, I also have something for a dad. This is the. F- I know dads have a hard time expressing their love, so I'm going to help you. So the five love languages of children. Uh, the first dad to raise their hand can get this book. You want it? All right, come on over. Come on over. Okay, he's got a kid. Okay, I'll come to you. <laughs> Give it up for this dad. Good job. All right. All right, I also have a book. Uh, and, and by the way, today's message is not just the parents. Uh, I'll be talking about families, but it's also to young people because you're in a family. So this is for a young adult or a teen, the first teen who can say, uh, I need someone who's in college. Raise your hand if you're in college and you want the book. You want it? Come on up. This is called Forgotten God, Reversing the Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. Give it up for this guy, Colin. Well, cool. I'm excited to share with you today. Um, I, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because this is the first time I've spoken to grown-ups. <laughs> and the exciting thing about that is I don't have to stop the entire service to tell you to stop talking <laughs> or, uh, tell, uh, Charles on security to, to escort you to your parents. You can do that though, right? Okay. He can do that or have to stop the service to, uh, take your fidget spinner away. That's always fun. Uh, so I'm excited to share with you. Um, I'm going to share a message today um, just to inspire you and ignite in your heart or reignite in your heart uh, the desire to empower families to be equipped and healthy. We all have a part in our church, and families are God's main uh, mission mission on this world. Everyone's part of a family. Not everyone's a part of a healthy family. And so I want to I share this with you and what the Word of God says about that. So, um, I'm your kids pastor here at Glad Tidings. I, uh, I love what I do. I have a great team. If you're on the kids team from nursery on up um, to kindergarten through fifth grade, can you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you're on the kids team. I have a great, we have a great team. Can you give it, give it up for them? All right. We have a great team. Youth. Uh, Steve, can you raise your hand? This guy's one of the most energetic people you'll see, okay? He's balding, but he's really energetic. I love it. Uh, I have a highly experienced team, and they're the, really the reason why your kids are growing up to be lifelong disciples. 
Okay? It's not me. I'm just, I'm just the face. I'm just uh, pouring into these people, this team, and just bringing creativity and, and not much experience besides the fact that I was born uh, in a family that has 11 kids. So I, I know how to deal with kids, but uh, I, I just have a great team. So I appreciate you guys. Um, so uh, my, my job and my role here at church is just to be another adult that your kids see that encourages the biblical values that you set forth in your home. That's my job. And I hope to see great politicians someday. I hope to see physicians, great minds, athletes. I hope to see those, your kids become those people in this world. That's my desire. I don't want kids to all become me. I don't need that, okay? We have enough of me. But I want them to be successful in this world. So uh, I just want to share a little bit about, uh, um, oh, I almost forgot. I just want to honor Pastor Walt and Carrie um, for just a... Uh, Pastor Walt is something that, he's a different kind of beast. Like, if you see him during the week, he is a beast. And, and this, this uh, pastor, uh, he's, he's been willing to uh, be transparent with us as a church. He's been willing to uh, share about his spiritual highs and his spiritual lows. That's very rare. He also is willing to share about those iffy issues, like buying somebody cigars, like uh, Pastor Kerry going to find a baby shower and finding out it's in a bar, and knowing that other Christian people might see her and have something to say about it, but not caring. I mean, that's crazy. As a lead pastor of a large church, um, I just want to honor them. Can we give, up, give it up for Pastor Walt and Carrie? Awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, just a little bit of my journey. Um, I've been on staff here for about two years, and uh, I'm not good with microphones. Sorry, Greg. Uh, I was I was born in upstate New York. Anybody from New York here? All right, we're cool. See in the back? All right, we're cool. Uh, uh, my dad was in the military for 25 years, and so we moved six times uh, by the time I was in junior high. We moved six times. We just moved around a lot. Um, my family has 11 kids, and my mom homeschooled all of us. Moms, can you imagine that? That's crazy. And... And so my family was a little bit, it was very interesting. Do you guys have a picture of it? Can you, can you show my family? Awesome. Uh, the only one missing from that picture is Yakona, a little Asian kid. Yeah, he's more Asian than me. Um, so uh, when I was 16, I started interning here at the church, which means I was here 24-7 helping out with the youth ministry. I was under Pastor Jesse Norman. And, uh, and through those three years, I really found, my, uh, found where God had called me. And it was really special because Pastor Bobby Clark, Pastor Kerry were both interim or actually youth pastors, and they poured into me as well. And so I appreciate them doing that. And through those three years, um, I started going to Bible college and theological seminary, and I finished when I was 20 uh, with a bachelor's, and so I was able to step into God's, God's call in my life um, uh, very quickly. And at that time, I also started dating my, uh, my beautiful bride. You can put her picture up there. She's actually teaching a class right now downstairs. Can you give it up for her? Ooh. Man. You did good, Isaiah. I'm kidding. All right. Well, um, I'm super honored to be here today and speak with you. Um, and I, I hope that your family is encouraged today. If you're, if you're a kid, I hope that you're encouraged to reach out to your parents. Maybe as a parent you haven't seen in a long time. Uh, maybe it's somebody who, who, who you really love and you just have some unforgiveness. Maybe it's uh, your kids and you just are really discouraged about your kids. 
Or maybe you just need to hear a message and know you're doing the right thing. But I want to share with you a message to ignite in your hearts, to empower and equip in healthy, healthy families. Okay. So uh, I also have an interview video um, I want to show you. And so this interview video, you guys, you guys with me? Cool, all right. So uh, I want to show you a video. I interviewed my parents this week. Uh, this is something rare. I don't know how many of us have interviewed our parents. This is really interesting. So I just sat down with them, talked about family, talked about how we were raised, and I want to show you a video of that just so you know a little bit more about uh, my family. Go ahead. What kind of home environment did you have growing up? My dad was an alcoholic, so he pretty much kept to himself. He'd, he'd do his, his work when he did work, and then he would go to the bar and he'd come home and he wouldn't have a whole lot to do with us. So growing up in the, in the Catholic Church, at least from that perspective, my mom was, was um, pretty strict as far as her beliefs and her belief system. It, it's more of a, I believe it's this way and it will always be this way. And that's kind of the way we got shaped when we were kids. And when we got married, we kind of moved away from, from that thought process and then started attending uh, churches like Glad Tidings. Our family, we had 11 kids. You guys were you're in the military for 25 years. Um, you also were studying for your doctorate. You got that. And, and you were raising 11 kids, homeschooling too. Um, what, were, what, was that, what was that like? What was, what was that like to raise the kids in that environment? What were, what were some of the challenges you guys encountered? I think the biggest challenge with, with all the things that go on and having a large family is time, time management. Um, and prioritizing what's important everywhere we've gone and no matter what the situation was we always made sure we did everything as a group we didn't leave anybody out we took carted everybody in the car and went in our 15 passenger van all over the country just to stay together and do stuff so we lived in omaha for three years moved to hawaii for three years we came back what made you guys come back to glad tidings we lived in bellevue so we could have gone to a different church what made you guys come back we spent so much time in the military um, we moved 13 times in about 25 years, um, and each time we moved, we were by ourselves. It was just our family, and then we're going somewhere new. So um, to have a church family that you can mesh with, you have the same values, you have the same um, comfort, um, in the same belief system helps a lot. And so we made our decision based on this was home for us, we had friends here, we had family here, and that um, Glad Tidings valued Junior Bible Quiz, which was important to us. Junior Bible Quiz was, was very big. Um, helps with memorization of quest, not just questions, but um, the scriptures. Royal Rangers was good because it got the kids a chance to interact with other kids, do some biblical stuff, but also get to do some interactive you know, social stuff, um, and, and just be able to hang out with, with other kids and just be kids. What did you do to, um, to help you be a godly parent and to have a healthy home? We focused on daily devotionals, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, uh, memorizing scripture, uh, praying for people. Good mentors, um, folks that would put time into our lives, whether we wanted it or not. You know, we'd go to a, to a home group or something like that. And, you know, early on, um, when you're when you're real busy and you and you, you tend to make excuses as to I don't want to go here I don't want to go there but then when you do attend them you have some more uh, some more folks that are more mature and they're able to 
you know, to give you some information. They can see if you're having problems. They can help you. I also had a, a prayer partner when I started coming to Glad Tidings. Um, someone introduced me to Valerie Boyer, and she asked me if I would be her prayer partner. In my Christian walk, I see how God put someone in my path, and um, through that person befriending me, we became confidence and we talked about our children and our problems and prayed about these things. I think sometimes uh, people that are pursuing to be a Christian um, and to live a godly life, that when things get hard, some people tend to give up and they, they give up hope and they stop coming to church um, and they get frustrated. And I think they just need to keep pressing in. I, I think they need to have hope. I think they need to just continue to read the Word of God, to pray and seek God, um, ask God to give them wisdom. Awesome. So that's a little bit more about me. And enough about me. I just want to share with you the Word of God. Can we pray today? God, today we just want to come to you, God, and say we don't have all of the answers. God, we need your grace as, as a family of Christ today. God, we need your grace, God. I pray, God, today that you would just uh, speak to people's hearts by your Holy Spirit, not with eloquence of words, but by your power today. Father, I pray that you would just uh, bring to light, help people to understand the words that are written in this, in this book, God, that they would be able to apply it to their own lives and not just leave the same, God, but they would leave inspired and they would leave changed, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Can we give God some praise today one more time? Awesome, you got it. Well, cool. Um, I want to ask you a couple questions here. How many of you would raise your hand and say you came from a non-Christian home? Can you raise your hand and say that? Awesome. Probably about 25, maybe 30 to 40%. Awesome. Uh, by the way, I'm going to need your help today. Okay, this is how kids' church works. So the kids who are sitting still, I usually bother them and poke at them. Uh, how many of you would say that you came from a Christian home that needed a little bit of work? Wow, it's most of us. All right. Cool. And how many of you would say you came from a Christian home with really cool, God-fearing, Christ-like parents? Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. I think most of us would say that we came from an imperfect home, Christian or non-Christian. And, and really, I, I, I honor those, those families who make, made those choices like my parents did. My parents didn't come from a, a perfect home. My dad was an, was an alcoholic. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. My dad's father was an alcoholic. <laughs> sorry, Dad. Yeah, he's a Pepsi-holic. My dad's father was an alcoholic, and uh, so he didn't have much to do with the five boys in their family, so mom raised them all. She did her very best, brought them to the Catholic Church, and kind of just like taught them what, they, what she knew. Um, he didn't get saved until maybe about the second or third child. And uh, my mom, she didn't get saved until uh, sometime in high school, and she didn't even have her first Bible until she graduated high school. And so my parents definitely were not set up for success. They didn't come from a, a, a generation of Christians. They didn't come from strong Christian churches like we have right here in Omaha. Glad tidings. 
Awesome. And, and, and so they were not set up for success. And uh, I think all of us can say that we come from in, imperfect homes and we have issues that, that we don't like to share. And when we come to church, we try to put on a certain kind of face. Or we try to put on like a certain kind of, I'm okay. And our family, we're, we're strong, we're healthy. And you probably were yelling at your kids on the way to church. <laughs> right? How many of you have done that? Can you raise your hand? Man, okay, cool. Awesome. Well, if you're a positive thinker, you think like me. Nobody's perfect. We all have imperfect families. We see imperfect families on TV. The Kardashians are not perfect. <laughs> the, the Johnson family is not perfect, okay? LeVar Ball and his family are not perfect. Uh, we have uh, the pastor's families are not perfect. I mean, you, the politicians you see, their families are not perfect, and sometimes we think they're a little bit better than they actually are. We see their Instagram snaps, their Facebook pictures. We're on vacation. We're, we're, our kids just graduated. And you're like, my kid won't even finish his class. And he's doing summer school right now. And, and we just see all these imperfections in our own family. And we don't realize that everyone else has the same things. We all go through the same thing. We do. I can remember at my house, um, we used to try to do Bible studies together. And so being homeschooled, like all the kids were in the same room. We had 11 kids. We'd all sit in the same room. And my mom would put on uh, worship music. And we worshiped together as a family. And so that was kind of funny because what it would look like was we were all standing in a circle, kind of like the Illuminati or something, like, more like a triangle. And we'd just stand there and they'd play the music and it'd be something like, I'm diving in, I'm going deep, head over head, I want to be... Okay, no one else did that. Okay. And we would stand in a circle, and then my mom would expect us all to worship in front of each other. So we'd all be like, eh. And then we'd, and, and at some point, my mom would be like, why aren't you worshiping? Like, I'm sorry, I'm trying, trying to worship, whatever. And then we get to Bible reading, and we take out our one-year Bible. And all the kids were in the living room reading. And then my mom would look up and ask, where's Kona? Where's Hannah? Someone will always escape from the room. Someone always escapes. You just can't sit them down and keep them in one room. And then it never failed. Someone always got spanked during Bible reading. Someone always got spanked. <laughs> Our family wasn't perfect. They weren't perfect at all. Um, another time uh, we were driving to, to the Mall of America, and it's in, uh, around the Minneapolis area. And so we were driving uh, there, and my brother, who was five at the time, uh, he, we stopped at a truck stop. And so while we're at the truck stop, we uh, decided to use the restroom, even though we had a porter potty in our 15-passenger van with a stall around it. And we had our family in there too, and we stopped at this truck stop. And uh, we're all getting out, of the, going to the restroom and stuff. We pile back in the van. My dad turns around and starts counting people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, What did I do with my life? Uh, I got 11 kids. And then we start. And then, okay, oh, we got everybody. Let's go. And so we're going down the interstate, whatever. And then my uncle, uh, he turns around. He's looking all confused. And we're, something's wrong. And we couldn't tell what was wrong. And so he's looking around. And he's like, where's Jared? My five-year-old brother, where's Jared? We're already a couple miles down the road. And so we're freaking out. Like, this kid's at a truck stop. 
And there's people there. And it's busy. People are going to the Mall of America. This is not like some Nebraska truck stop. This is like busy. And so we stop on the side of the interstate. My uncle jumps out and he runs across the interstate. He jumps over the median and runs to the truck stop to go where Jared was at. That's incredible. Okay. And, this, and, and so he gets there and Jared's sitting there uh, all crying, tears down his face, fat cheeks, just sitting there, five years old. And uh, he finds him and he's safe. So we think everything's good. And so we go to the Mall of America. Everything's all cool and stuff. And uh, pretty soon we're, we're getting together. We're ready to do something. And we look around. And my uncle, where's Jared? Again. Five years old. We forgot his leash. <laughs> and so we look around. We can't find him. And so we search and search and search. And then we see Jared. Guess where he was? In the bathroom. In the bathroom, again, second time. Our family was not perfect at all. We lost kids. We, we, we had arguments. Uh, the cops came to our house, all this other stuff. Uh, there's just, our family wasn't perfect. And I know your family's not perfect either, but we try to act like it is. And, you know, something that I want to share with you is that uh, we had a, a family group discussion a couple weeks ago where 30 families came and we just talked about things. And, and one family said this. They said, remind parents that parenting is a process, and they're not alone. Bumps do not mean failure. Bumps do not mean failure. When God gave you your child, he called you to be their parent. You and your child can both grow closer to God and each other through the mistakes. How many of you can relate to that? I can relate to that. And I know many of us think that we're alone, but you're not alone. We're, we're in this together. This is God's family, and he wants us to, to be healthy. He wants us to be equipped. And he's put people around you in your small groups, right here in your pew. There might be someone sitting next to you. And if you're having problems, go talk to them. I'm not a parent, and uh, my wife Emily's right here. Can you wave your hand? Yeah, she's in here, okay. Uh, I'm getting nervous now. Uh, we're, not, we're not parents, but what we've seen is our, our own experience in our families. We've talked to the parents, and, and we've talked about how can we help our kids be lifelong disciples. You don't want your kids just to come to church, right? You don't want them just to come and hear a message and go home and, and, and keep living the same way. You bring them for a reason. I know that. Some parents bring their kids. They don't even come to service. They just sit outside. Like you bring your kids because you want them to grow. I know that. And sometimes you don't even realize that when they're growing that coming to church isn't enough. We have to work together as a family. As a family, we all have our own roles. We're going to turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 to dig into our text. So if you turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you're with me, say I'm with you. One more time, if you're with me, say I'm with you. I'm really tempted to do a bottle flip right now. Sorry, guys. Sorry, parents, for doing that to your kids. You guys are annoyed by it. Okay. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to share some context here uh, to help you understand what's really going on. Uh, So Genesis, first book of the Bible, it ends with Joseph, the the guy with the coat of many colors. He dies. He was really high up in the Egyptian system there. And so Exodus begins with a new pharaoh coming into play. 
And so Joseph had been helping the, the Israelites grow, and they, were, they were in, and they weren't enslaved yet. They were actually prospering in Egypt. And so this new Pharaoh comes in, he sees how strong they are. And, and he sees how, how, how they have values. And he sees how they love a God and how their God takes care of them. You know what he does? He enslaves them. For 430 years, he enslaves them. Can you imagine that? That's kind of what the enemy does to us. I mean, he sees your family. He's like, you guys are going to church. You're doing good, everything. And all of a sudden, something happens. You stop coming to church. You stop working with your kids. You stop loving on them. You stop talking about the things you need to talk about. You grow distant. You grow distant from your spouse. Grow distant from your kids. The enemy does that. He's trying to tear apart families. So, uh, so Exodus, uh, Moses comes into play. He gets called. The burning bush moment. He figures out what his calling is. He is a stutterer, but God calls him to speak. And, and then Moses releases the ten plagues on Egypt because Pharaoh will not let the people go. And the last plague was the death of the firstborn, which is the tenth plague. And this is where the Israelites uh, instituted the Passover because although the angel of death came over to kill all the firstborn sons in Egypt, he passed over the houses of the Israelites because they chose to make a statement of faith and put the lamb's blood on their doorpost. So he knew they could pass over their homes. That's the Passover, the very beginning. Uh, then Exodus, uh, then comes Leviticus. This is where um, Moses lists all the offerings, grain, peace, sin, trespass, and lists many laws. How many of you are glad that you don't have to sacrifice lambs? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I want to eat them. Some euros. Uh, then the fourth book of the Bible is Numbers. How many of you like Numbers. You like numbers? Okay, cool. You have to teach me because I have a hard time reading that. So the beginning of numbers, this is like a super, super long book. If you're in the one-year Bible, you know the pain. When you have to go through numbers, you basically read chapters and chapters of people's names. Just like names, like familytree.com. You just go there, and this is like numbers. You just read all those. And then it lists the journeys. Hey, we went here, we went here, we went here, we went here. Uh, the, the Israelites in the wilderness. And they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And then it comes to... Uh, Deuteronomy. This is when they step into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb are bold enough to step out of what they've been living in, the slavery mindset that they were living in. They step out and they go to the promised land and they say, we can take this. We can do this. How many of you feel like you, you, like, you, you need somebody just to say, hey, you can do it. You could do it, mom. You can do it, dad. You can do it, son, whose who's dad's abusive. You can do it. You can do it. If you're in high school and, you're, and no one knows what's going on, you can do it. You could do it. So Deuteronomy is, is there's fears, there's battles, and finally a reminder from Moses where we land today, a reminder from Moses on how to raise your families. And Moses is breaking this pattern of 430 years of slavery in a land that they did not know, a culture that was totally defiant to the word of God. And he is going and telling them, this is how you must live. So let's read this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord as long as you live. If, can you guys say if? You obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. It says all of them. That's a lot. That's really a lot. I'm glad that we have a new covenant where God says, hey, you love me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. That's all of them. 
put together. That's all of them. And, and so this is saying, hey, not just your first three kids and then you give up on the next two because you want to break. My family, we have 11 kids. My dad's not going to break anytime soon, okay? Uh, we have six sisters. So you got six weddings to pay for. And we got one who's married. So you got five more. So dad, wherever you're at, keep going. You got it. You can do it. This isn't an option he gives us. Moses is saying, hey, you must do this. You must do it. It's not like, hey, if you think that this is something you want to try out, go for it. And, and now see what you think. It's okay. Just see what you think. I was talking to my barber the other day, and uh, he, uh, he's a great guy. He, uh, he's really good at what he does, and he, he's really nice. And he has three kids. He's about uh, 30 or so. And he was talking about the way he raises his kids. I was just sitting there in the chair, being that guy who doesn't shut up and just talks to him. And so we were talking about family. And I was like, what are some values that you have for your family? I mean, what are some things that you do for your kids? And he's like, you know, I don't know about values, but I know what we don't do. Like, you don't, we don't do this. We don't do that. We don't do that. I said, what about the things, like, that are important to you? Don't you have, like, things that are important that you want them to understand and grow up to be? You know what he said? And this is something that's rampant in a society today. I'm going to let them choose what they want to do. Whatever they feel like doing, that's what they can do. How many of you, when you were a kid, you, you knew exactly what you're supposed to do? How many of you, when you were a kid, you knew what was right and wrong? How many of you, when you were a kid, when, when uh, somebody said something at the playground or, or did this, someone made fun of you, bullied you, you knew how to handle that situation? How many of you, when you were a kid, you knew how to have your devotionals every day? You knew how to read your Bible and pray every single day. You were so good at it. I don't think any of us, when we were kids, and, and so what we see today is parents like letting their kids choose what they want to do. That's good. Give them choices. But what Moses is saying is you must do this and you must fear the Lord your God. Regardless of what the media says, regardless of what Facebook posts say, regardless of what your, your favorite celebrity says about this and that, about politics and family, regardless of what you see on YouTube and the self-help uh, videos and the TED Talks and, and all the other things, he says you must fear the Lord your God. Fear the Lord your God. Look at the Bible. This is what he's saying. And he says this, you will enjoy a long life. You must. So I remember getting disciplined as a kid. How many of you got disciplined real good? Okay, you remember it? You remember, you remember the spoon or the, the item? I'll say the item because some of you, it wasn't a spoon. It wasn't made out of wood. It's made out of metal or something. I don't know. Or a belt. My dad liked to use uh, race car tracks. Any of you experienced that in your life? Jerry, you, you experienced that? Yeah. And uh, so I got spanked with a spoon or whatever, and I remember those times I got spanked. And you know what I can say today is, I'm not scarred. I am changed. (laughs) I am changed by those times that I got disciplined. And you know what was interesting about those times is, my mom, uh, she she definitely uh, had to take a stand. And she said, you must do this, you must not do this. She took a stand and said, I don't care about being the popular mom. I don't care about being the coolest. I don't care about, oh, yeah, they're having a party over here, and you're going to be mad at me if I say don't go. She wanted to stand for what you must do, standing for the culture of your home, deciding what you were going to believe, deciding who you're going to be. That was her role, and she took it. I remember one time uh, she uh, was chasing me down with a spoon. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. (laughs) She was chasing me down the hallway, and... uh, 
She used to say this to me all the time. You think because you're bigger than me and you're taller than me that I can't beat your butt? <laughs> she's 4'11", so she's like down here. So by the time I was 12, I was taller than her. And I remember just one time, just she had spanked me until I got to my knees, and she's still spanking me. And uh, I remember those times, and from those moments, I remember being changed. I just remember being changed. Looking back today, back then I thought, man, my mom is so mean. My mom, I'm going to call the cops, whatever. <laughs> and, but, you know, I'm, I'm changed today. I'm changed. And, you know, parents make mistakes too. They didn't always do it right, but they did something. Yeah, give it up for the parents who do something. Let's go to uh, verse number three. It says, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children. Eleven's the limit, though. In the land, flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God, your ancestors promised you. This is saying, hey, all's going to go well with you, and you're going to have many children. You know, what's funny is in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, they were complaining, and they said, God, why would you bring us into this land, this culture that is foreign to us, that defies our God, and expect us to raise our kids? They said, there is no hope. Our school system, our country, our music that, the music that we're listening to that's popular today, the movies that are popular, uh, there's just too much going on. The culture is too strong for us to raise our kids to be lifelong disciples. And this is saying, no, it's not. It's not too strong. You can do it. And there's, God is going to help you. And he says, I want to prosper you. I want to prosper your families. I want to do it for you because I love your family. No matter what you've come from, 430 years of slavery. If your family was, was uh, stinking, like, if you have, like, divorce after divorce after divorce, or if your family, kid after kid after kid, suicide after suicide in your family, you can still do it. You can, God's going to help you do it. God's going to do something in your family today. I pray God ignites something in your heart today. My family, uh, uh, something that God's been speaking to me about, and this is to all the kids who are in your families who don't feel like this message is for you. Uh, the parents have so much responsibility. But you as a, as a kid, as a young adult, you have a huge role in your family. Even if you're grown. Um, for me, God's been speaking to me this year about my family. And uh, it, it's been hard with the busyness of, of ministry, the busyness of life, and, and, and marriage, newly married, two years. And so uh, God's been speaking to me. And he's, he's just like, you know, I want you to give your mom a hug. I want you to give your dad a handshake every time you see him. And in my family, you might not seem that, think that's big. In my family, we don't do that. We don't say, I love you. We don't give hugs, nothing like that. And you know what? As a kid, as a kid, I can sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to let my parents do the things they, they want to do. And that's fine. My parents are so generous. They're so loving. They're caring. They show up to your games. But I felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to change. Take it a little bit more. Take one more step. One more step and change the culture of your, of your family. And so God had me do that. And it was hard the first time just to, just to shake my dad's hand. That was difficult. Give my mom a hug. That was difficult for me. And I don't know what it is for you, but there's something that God's calling you to do as a young person to change your family tree, to change your family. Maybe it's like something that you guys don't share your issues. And so people just blow up. Or maybe it's something like you, you guys just don't, don't, talk about, uh, talk, don't talk about God. Maybe you need to bring that up. Maybe your dad's been staying at home, hasn't been going to church for a long time. You just need to bring it up. Pray for him. Talk to him. Bring it up. You have a role as a young adult in your home. It's not just the parents. 
Are we going to give up and allow the cultures of this world to dictate our families? Are we going to? Are we going to? And I'm, I'm speaking to you as, as, a, as your kid's pastor. I'm not speaking to you as a parent with experience. I'm saying, hey, let's do this together. I want to help you. We want to help you. Our church, our small groups, they want to help you. Let's go to verse 4. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must, can you guys say must? Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again and again to your children. They're going to get annoyed by it. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, going to the baseball games, softball games. I had a dad at the family group discussion uh, say that life is so busy that the only time he has with his kids is in the car. And so what he does, and his kids are amazing. I mean, parents talk about like doing devotionals with their kids, and you just think like, wow, how do they do that? How do they do that? And he's just saying, you know what? All the time we have is in the car. On the way to baseball practice, we say, hey, wasn't that cool how God did that? Look at the sunrise today. Look at the rain. Look at that parking spot. Praise God. (laughs) Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. You know, we, we all have, play our roles, but, you know, I believe that it's not, it's not enough to just say after church today, uh, hey, what did you learn today? Or, hey, did you make any friends? Did you have fun? It's okay to do that, but many of us stop at that. We stop at that. With my siblings, I take responsibility. We stop at that, and we don't dig deeper. Hey, what's going on in your life? Can I pray for you for anything? Hey, uh, what do you think about this, this message? What do you think about, did you, did you, do you, do you, how do you know how to pray? Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit? Like, talking more. It doesn't stop at that. My sister's a great example of this with her son, and they just talk about things. She lets him, uh, when she's praying, she'll let him watch and just ask questions. Like, why do you cry? Why do you lift your hands? Why do you jump up and down? I don't get offended if you bring your kids into, into adult church. I don't, okay? When a couple of families have told me, like, I'm just going to bring my kids into adult church. I'm fine with that, okay? I am totally cool with that. Go for it. Ask Pastor Wall if it's okay. But uh, I'm cool with that because I want them to see you worship. I want, them to, I want them to see you read the Bible. I mean, that's how they're going to see it for, through you guys. Uh, I read a quote this week, um, and it was, it was this. It says, what's happened to this younger generation? They don't pay the older generation any respect. They don't stand when an elder comes into the room or show any courtesy at all. I don't know what the world is coming to. You think this came from like, uh, like somebody complaining from church or something. This came from Socrates 2,300 years ago. On Socrates, get a better name than that. I read also about a professor. He's complaining about his students. He says, My students in the university, they're good for nothing. All they do is carouse and drink beer. Uh, This complaint was found in hieroglyphics from Egypt from the 13th dynasty. (laughs) It's not a new issue. Parenting is not, family is not a new issue. History repeats itself. Every family has to fight for it. I also read about a, a professor, uh, actually school teachers. There's a survey done with school teachers in the 1940s, and they asked, what are the main issues facing public schools today? They said, chewing gum, talking out of turn, cutting line, disrupting class. 
Teachers from the 1990s, this is where you guys have a very difficult job in this culture today, but you can do it. 1990s, this is like 20 years ago. Uh, dang, that's a long time. Uh, this is, these are the problems they faced. Drug abuse. These are the top problems in public schools. The same survey, 50 years later. Alcohol abuse. Pregnancy. How many of you know high schools are known for how many girls are pregnant? High schools in the city are known for. I can tell you right now. I won't tell you right now, but I can tell you who kids know what high schools are known for girls getting pregnant. Suicide. Rape. Robbery. And assault. These are the things they tell us. These are the, the teachers that are with the kids every day. They can tell you exactly what your kids are going through in this generation. This is what they're saying. You have a hard job. And parents, although you have the toughest job to raise your kids and, the, and, and try to help them to be healthy and lifelong disciples, you have a church here that wants to help you. And so when we come to church and we try to act perfect and our kids are behaved and everything like that, we go to a small group and we don't talk about the issues, talk about them. Find somebody. We want to help you. We want to help you have healthy families. And, you know, raising a, raising a generation takes the whole church. It's not just you. Single moms, you can't do it alone. We want to help you. Parents who are together, we want to help you. The Israelites raise their children together. Let's go to verse 9. It says, uh, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is a public declaration of this is who we're going to be as a family. We're going to write it on not just our wall, but on our hearts. When we go, we're going to serve together. I had uh, Jay Koontz and uh, his son Titus. They came and helped me a couple weeks ago. We helped the single mom move. And they served together. And he saw his dad. He saw the need. And he went and met the need. Uh, There's so many opportunities here at church. And there's a prayer and care ministry. Making meals for people. Going to a a funeral. Going to a nursing home together. Uh, We have summer blasts coming up with the kids. Like just adopting your, your neighborhood. And just inviting kids. And just leading a small little VBS there. Even if you don't feel equipped. God, God will equip you if he calls you. Even as a parent, God will equip you as a parent because he called you as a parent. There's so many serving opportunities. And in verse 10, if I can have the worship team come on up. Uh, the verse 10 says, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors. They were waiting a long time for this. They were praying. They were, they were fighting for it. He says, he will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you. I think God's saying something to someone today where he's going to say, soon, soon. That person you've been praying for, that kid you've been praying for, it's walked away. Soon. That family that you want to see, your family is not as healthy as you want it to be. Soon. God is saying soon today. He made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. You did not build it. You don't deserve it. Your family generation line, you, you weren't set up for it. You didn't build that. But by God's grace, he's going to help you. You can do it. We can do it together. I just want to share to the, to, the, to the single moms, you can do it. Parents who have uh, kids who walked away, you can do it. Even the best father has prodigals. and He always brings them back. Grown and teen children, you can do it. Newly saved parents, you can do it. Parents who've lost their fire, who come to the church every week and don't bring it home, you can do it today. I pray God ignites it in your heart today. Parents who feel inadequate, you feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Start with you. Just read that Bible. Start to do what it says. If your kids don't follow right away, that's okay. Find somebody who knows. 
Find somebody who knows. Not me. I don't know. Okay. I'm here for your kids. You know, there's plenty of people who have come from fatherless home, uh, fatherless homes that have been uh, amazing people. LeBron James, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Lance Armstrong, Michael Phelps, Barack Obama, Confucius, Plato, Aristotle, Muhammad, Genghis Khan, Caesar, Elizabeth I. So many people, Moses was adopted. So many people who, who didn't have that healthy home structure, but God graced them and he gave them favor. And there's somebody in their home that made a stand. I want to end with this. Today, I want to encourage you just that God would ignite something in your heart to just empower people. Maybe if it's your family, just your family. God would empower something in you to, to want your family to be equipped and want your family to be healthy. You can do it. And I want to say the church here is it's one generation away from extinction. This next generation is our next pastors, leaders, Christians, politicians, uh, mayors, presidents. It's all there. We have to invest. Pastor Jason was talking about investing in the future. And, but the, the cool thing is that the church is also one generation away from revival. One generation away from revival. I want to pray for you today. Can you pray for me? God, today we, we just um, we want to respond to you, God. We want to respond to your word. We want to respond to your Holy Spirit speaking to people's hearts right now. We want to respond to, to your previous calling of months, years ago, when you started speaking to us about our families, God, and we let it die. God, we want to respond to, to the generations in the past of suicide, of, of, of sexual perversion, of divorce, God. And I, I just pray today that you would just ignite that in someone's heart today. And you just cause them to see your goodness, to see your grace in the midst of it all. To see their, to be able to have the vision to see their families different, to see their families changed, see their marriages strong, see their kids' marriages strong, see their kids' kids' marriages strong. God, to see your name be glorified and honored throughout generations to come and in our church today, God. As you're praying today, I have a special guest here. Gadisa, could you come on up? Could you pass me that microphone? I just want. Uh, you guys could just uh, uh, close your eyes right now. I have uh, Gadisa. He's in first grade. He wants to pray for you. Uh, Gadisa is also a product, just like me, of, of families who took a stand and said, I want my kids to know Jesus. I want them to follow after him for the rest of their lives. So if you just close your eyes, Gadisa is going to pray for you. Those who, who say, I want to change my family tree, I want to change my family right now. Can you just raise your hand as he prays? I'm going to bless you today. Go ahead, Gadisa. Father, just thank you for this day, thank you for the grown-ups. Just pray that they would, they would just, just have a, just have a great night today, and just pray that they would just fill them further their hearts with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Amen. you can stand with me today. I want to invite our altar team to, to come down to the front here. Um, I also understand that there's some people here who, who uh, yes, we're talking about families, but uh, you, you're, you're, you feel a tug on your heart today. You came to church for a reason, and that reason is to find Jesus. And Jesus is here in this place, and he wants your heart. He wants you to join his family. 
and he wants you to turn from the ways of the past and look forward to the future today. So I want to pray with you today. If, if, you feel, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, maybe you've walked away from your faith. This is the first time you come to church in a long time, and you're just really ready. You're really ready today. God's here, and he wants to speak to you today. He wants to love on you. He wants to, to, for you to come into his family, and for him, the best father ever, to, to be able to love on you and prosper you. God, today, we just thank you so much. Those who, those who would say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I want to follow, follow you and leave, leave my past behind and look forward to the future. If that's you, can you just lift your hand today? If that's you, can you lift your hand today? Say, Jesus, I want to know you. I've walked away. I've, I've strayed away. I, I, I know that you're the answer. I know that you're God. And today, God, I give you my life. I give you my life, Lord. See, hands I want to invite you today, um, as we worship together, I want to invite you to come pray with our altar workers right here. If you made that decision, come tell somebody about it. Um, come talk to them. Um, but I pray today that God would ignite something in your hearts as you go home and talk to your kids, that you just begin to develop a culture where you can have a healthy and equipped family. If you want to pray, come on up. Everyone else, uh, let me pray for you. God, I pray you bless each person. I pray, God, that as they go home, that you would empower them to have a great passion, a renewed passion in their lives, in their families, God. I pray that their kids would be successful and they'd grow. I pray for them to be obedient. I pray, God, for parents to have patience and peace. I pray, God, that you would allow uh, the people who are struggling with broken homes, God, to be healed and renewed, God. I pray against pride right now in the name of Jesus. People who say, I don't need this. I don't, I don't, it's okay. It's too far gone. It's too far gone. My kids are too far gone. My wife is too far gone. I pray today that you just convict those hearts and show them that there is still hope. There is still hope through Jesus. Today, God, we honor you and bless you. Jesus.